Godan Daigin i The Godan Natol och välkommen till Every Single Word in Old Norse. Where I give you all the skills you need to understand the ancient language of the Norsemen. Ekam Gestgjaventhin, Addison Simon, an American archaeologist obsessed with all things Norse. Grab a late night coffee with me and come explore this complex medieval language from the very beginning, delivered in bite sized lessons every Wednesday. Vitbörjan. Let's get started. This episode serves as a replacement and remedial review of the first five episodes of this podcast, which do not follow my newer, more efficient learning method. If you're new here, this is a great place to start. We're going to cover a lot of information since I'm essentially cramming five episodes into one, but this will allow old and new listeners to be on a level playing field going forward. This episode is divided into five sections, intended to be taken in bite-sized chunks on their own. By the end of this episode, you should be ready to move on to episode six, Things to Do. Grab a coffee, I've got mine, and vitbörjum. Let's begin. This is section one, Personal Pronouns. The first episodes of this podcast discussed a variety of terms central to thinking in Old Norse. In the first episode, we covered the basic forms of personal pronouns. That's how to say I, you, he, she, we, they, etc. We're going to have to cover a lot of terms in this section, so strap in. Are you ready for your first word in Old Norse? The Old Norse word for I is ek. Repeat after me. Ek. On the other hand, the Old Norse word for you is thu. Repeat after me. Thu. Is this word ringing any bells in your head? If you're a reader of Shakespeare, it should sound faintly familiar. The Middle English word thou is directly related to the Old Norse thu. English and Old Norse are closely related languages. They both fall into the Germanic category. The word for he in Old Norse is han. Note the long n sound. Han. Repeat after me. Han. On the other hand, we have the Old Norse word for she, hon. Listen to the distinction between these words. Han, hon. Han, hon. Our final singular pronoun is the word for it, that. Before we move on to our plurals, let's see how much you can remember. What is the Old Norse word for you? Thu. How do you say she in Old Norse? Hon. How about it? That. What if you wanted to say I? Ek. Fantastic job so far. Let's move on to plurals, which are a little more complicated. 
We now know our Old Norse singular pronouns. Ek, thu, han, hon, that. But what if we wanted to talk about multiple people or things? We, they, and even y'all, which, by the way, is a totally normal part of both Old Norse and Old English. Plurals in Old Norse are a little bit trickier than English. Not only are there words for when there's multiple people being discussed, but we also need to distinguish whether there are two individuals or more. Also, we need to consider whether the subjects are men, women, or a mixture thereof. This sounds really complicated on paper, but it becomes really natural over time. Let's start with we. If there are two of we, we use the Old Norse word vit. If there are three or more of we, we use the word ver. Simple enough, right? We two, vit. We three or more, ver. Let's set up a scenario to really solidify this in our heads. You're walking in the woods with your friends Eric and Leif. How would you refer to the three of you in a sentence? Ver. Great job. Now, Eric says he's not feeling well and leaves you and Leif to go continue walking in the woods. How would you refer to the both of you? Vit. Awesome job. This same concept is going to apply to our Old Norse words for y'all. We have to define whether there are two or more of y'all. If there's two of y'all, the word is feet. If there are three or more of y'all, the word is fair. See the pattern? This is exactly the same as our words for we, but instead of a V, we're using a hard TH sound. Vit and thit, two subjects. Ver and ther, three or more subjects. Finally, we have our Old Norse words for they. Old Norse has three of these, depending on the gender of the subject. If they are men, the word is their. If they are women or feminine, the word is thar. Finally, if there's a mixture of men and women, we can call this neuter, the word is thou. Repeat after me and listen to the different vowel sounds. Their, thar, thou. As an aside, this doesn't just refer to people. All nouns in Old Norse have a corresponding grammatical gender. If that term doesn't sound familiar to you, don't worry. We'll discuss grammatical gender later. For now, all you need to know is that there's three different categories for nouns and pronouns in Old Norse. For this final section, I'm going to read off an English word. See if you can remember the Old Norse equivalent. Can you remember how to say you in Old Norse? Thu. How do you say he? Han. How about they, if they are women? Thar. How about they if there's a mix of men and women? Mm. 
So, how would you say I in Old Norse? Ek. How do you say we if there's three of us? Ver. So, how many were you able to recall? If you didn't get them all, don't panic. This will come more naturally as we practice more and introduce full sentences down the line. Moving on to section two, to be and not to be. The original second episode of this podcast centered around our first verb, vera. This is the Old Norse word for to be, as in I am, you are, he is, and so on. All verbs in Old Norse, as with many other modern languages, change form based on who or what is doing the verb. This still happens in English, too. We have I am, but she is. Am and is are both forms of the word to be, but because the subject has changed, the verb also changes form. This is called conjugation, and it's particularly tricky. Old Norse has some methods around this, which we will use for other verbs down the line, but for now, we'll have to remember the different forms of vera. Fortunately, some of these should seem really familiar. Repeat after me. Ek em. This is, doesn't sound so different from English, right? All we've done is take our Old Norse word for I, ek, and used a new form of the word ver, which changes to em. Em, spelled E-M, is a cognate, or directly related word, to the English am, A-M. However, if we wanted to say you are in Old Norse, we would say thu ert. If you recall the connections to Shakespeare from earlier, you might be noticing something going on here. Thu ert sounds a lot like thou art. Remember, putting on your Shakespeare cap is going to help a lot starting out, since earlier forms of English and Old Norse were significantly intelligible with one another. It's a bit nonsensical, but if you wanted to say, I am it in Old Norse, how would you translate it? Ek em that. How about if you wanted to say, you are it? Thu ert that. Great, now we're ready to play tag in Old Norse. This podcast is all about teaching the essentials. If you wanted to say, he is, you would say, han er. Er, as you might have already guessed, is a cognate with the English are. The great thing about er is that this word works for he, she, and it. They're all third-person singular pronouns. Based on what you have already learned, can you figure out how to say she is it? Hon er that. One more time, a quick recap of the singular pronouns. Ek em, thu ert, han hon now let's move into our plural pronouns and really get into those Old Norse sounds. 
If you wanted to say we are in Old Norse, you would say either vit or ver erum, depending on which we you are using. We'll practice them both here. Repeat after me. Vit erum. Ver erum. Just like before, this same concept is going to apply to our Old Norse y'all. Thit eruth and ther eruth. Knowing what you know now, can you figure out how to say y'all too are it? Thit eruth fat. Great job. We've just got one more form of the word verra to cover, and it corresponds with all of our words for they. Þeir, þar, og þá, eru. It's a sound you're already familiar with. All the plurals start with E-R-U. In Old Norse, when we're talking about they, we will always use a more simplified form of the verb. This is true for verra. Þeir, þar, og þá, eru. So, just to review, the plural forms of vera are erum, eruð, and eru. There's one more piece to the puzzle of being, and that's the Old Norse word for not. Luckily for us, it really couldn't be much simpler. The Old Norse word for not is eki. We can attach this after any verb to say something or someone is not doing that verb. For example, ek am eki thu. I am not you. Easy, right? Let's see if you can figure out how to say he is and she is not. Han er og hon er eki. How about I am and y'all too are not. Ek em ok thit erud eki. Let's move on to section three, here and there. The original third episode of this podcast covered the verb bua and its various conjugations. But I think teaching conjugation so early was a bit of a mistake. It's not going to be necessary to learn how to conjugate this verb for the time being. Bua is the Old Norse word for to reside, as in he resides there. Many translate this word as to live, but I don't want to confuse you with more existential versions of that word. For our purposes, just remember bua means to reside. Repeat after me. Bua. We'll revisit bua in a later episode. The third episode also cover the words for here and there. Simply enough, these words are her and thar. Knowing what you know now, how do you think you would say you are here? Thu ert her. How about they are there? If they are a mixed group. 
þá eru þar. Fantastic job. We covered one more word in episode three, the Old Norse word for or, which is eða. Repeat after me. Eða. Now that you know this, can you say, I am here or there in Old Norse? Ek em her eða þar. Quickly moving along, let's move into section four, noun declension. Episode four of the original series dealt with noun declension, the process by which nouns change depending on their role in a sentence. As a reminder, this is why in English we say, he hit me instead of he hit I. This also takes place in Old Norse, and we applied this to our personal pronouns. But after restructuring this podcast, I no longer believe it's beneficial to teach the application of noun declension so early on. We'll apply this convoluted grammatical concept in a later episode. However, for the sake of preparedness, I'm going to teach a very brief crash course on the terms surrounding noun declension, using English examples. Nouns in Old Norse decline to four different forms, called cases. The four cases that a noun can take are called the nominative, accusative, genitive, and dative. When learning a new noun in Old Norse, we use the nominative form. This is the form that will appear in a dictionary. It's also the form a noun takes when it's the subject of a sentence. Thus far, this is the only form we've learned for each noun or pronoun. Ek, thu, hon, and so on are all subjects of sentence we have created. So, they take the nominative form. In contrast with that, we have the accusative form. Nouns take this form when they are on the receiving end of an action. Some words still take this form in English. In the sentence, I hit the ball and the ball hit me, both I and me refer to the same person. However, because the ball is the subject in the second sentence, we change I to me to indicate who or what is being hit. The third case is called the genitive. It's the form of possession. In English, this is typically signified with the letter S. Consider the sentence, I have the dog's red bull. The word dog is suffixed with an S to show that it owns the red bull. Finally, we have the dative case. There's no direct English equivalent, but this is the case which governs the indirect object. Usually, this is preceded by a prepositional phrase of some sort. Listen to the following sentence. You are drinking the cat's milk with a spoon. You are the subject. You are doing the drinking. You are drinking the milk. The cat owns the milk. It's the cat's milk. Where does that leave the spoon grammatically? The spoon is the indirect object. In Old Norse, it would take the dative form. We'll give a concrete example of this in a future episode, but hopefully this will provide a good foundation for future looks into noun declension. 
we've just got one more section to go. Section 5, The Masculine Noun. The most recent series of episodes, 5a and 5b, revisited the topic of grammatical gender for the first time. Reminder, there are three grammatical genders in Old Norse. Masculine, feminine, and neuter. These episodes explored the first of these three grammatical categories. To do this, we first learned the word for a man or a human being in general. Mother. Repeat after me. Mother. We then proceeded to learn the declension pattern for masculine nouns. But as I am moving noun declension to a later episode, we won't cover this. Instead, I want to more cautiously approach the topic of grammatical gender and help you identify masculine nouns at a glance. The term grammatical gender is entirely arbitrary. We could just as easily call nouns class one, two, or three nouns. All that matters is that we have three distinct categories of nouns. We divide nouns into these three categories because each category describes how the noun changes between nominative, accusative, genitive, and dative forms. It's also worth noting that the gender of a noun has nothing to do with what a noun is. There's nothing inherently masculine about a valley, but the Old Norse word for valley, dalr, is a masculine noun. While this might seem a little frustrating at first, there are some patterns we'll be able to use to identify the gender of a noun at a glance. They aren't without exception, but it should help you start to learn. In their singular nominative form, the dictionary form we'll be learning in, most masculine nouns end in R or I. Here are some examples you may or may not be able to guess the meaning of. Mother, Dollar, Asker, Hammer, Konunger, and Moni. While this isn't universal, it should help you pick out some masculine nouns going forward. In coming episodes, we'll discuss the feminine and neuter nouns and how to recognize them. The associated declension patterns will come soon after, but I'd like for us to feel comfortable discerning the gender of nouns beforehand. And with that, we're all caught up. If your head isn't spinning from this episode, the sixth episode of this podcast should have been uploaded in tandem with this one, covering a reading from a runestone, a new verb, and a new grammatical construction that will allow us to start using a wider variety of verbs. If this was your first episode, I hope it has given you a great foundation for continuing to learn Old Norse with us. If you've been listening from the beginning and are just now returning to listen, I hope it has served as a good review of material we've already covered. Either way, I'm really looking forward to what's next for this podcast. I hope you come along on this journey. Until next time, AKT Addison Simon, Okku the Note.